You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Tim McMaster here along with our MLB.com Jays reporter, Gregor Chisholm. And Gregor, uh, team's right in the thick of things right now after the trade deadline, and, and they made some moves at the deadline. Interesting moves. Um, they they did what they had to do, I think, in getting starting pitching. Um, and then we're going to get into the Aaron Sanchez situation a little bit first. But let's start with the deadline. Um, they get Francisco Liriano from the Pirates. They get Bolsinger, although I realize he's down in the minor leagues. And then they also get uh, Feldman um, to help out in the bullpen. The Liriano trade was fascinating to me, I think, for both teams because you get Liriano plus a couple of prospects, and they're they're not just throw-in minor leaguers. These are guys with some definite upside possibility, and then Hutchison goes back the other way. This surprised me from a Pirates standpoint, but for the Blue Jays, I just thought this is a great trade regardless of what you get from Liriano, and hopefully he can kind of rediscover what he's been in the past. Yeah, it surprised me as well. And I, I think, you know, there's been a lot of Blue Jays fans over the years that have been waiting for this team to act like a big market. Uh, and I think the move that they made this week was what you would associate with a big market club. Uh, I mean, in a lot of ways, they used uh, cash to uh, to buy these prospects and, and also get uh, a potential fit in the rotation, not only this year, but next year. And it was a case of the Pirates wanted to shed that salary. Liriano's making $13.6 million this year. He's making $13.6 million next year. Uh, so they were looking for a little bit of flexibility. And, and the, the only way the Jays were going to provide that was if they got a couple of prospects in the deal as well. And, and like you said, the, these aren't throwaway guys. These were two of the top ten prospects in that system. Um, and so the Blue Jays, uh, really kind of in a unique way, were able to make a move that uh, you know helps them in the immediate future and, and then also provides some more long-term future as well. It's pretty rare that you get a contending team that is able to do both of those things in the same move. And uh, this team really needed pitching depth as well. So when you add in Lariano with the other guys that you mentioned, uh, this this team needed that because Hutchison was the only guy uh, who was that backup-type starter. Uh, now they replaced uh, the depth there uh, to take his spot. And, and then they've also uh, brought in Lariano, who's had a very down season, uh, but has a lot of upside there. And the Blue Jays obviously hope and, and think that they can they can help turn him around. Yeah, the prospects, Harold Ramirez, an outfielder, uh, Reese McGuire, a catching prospect who I guess can really catch it. The question is whether or not he'll be able to hit enough to be a regular, but two young guys to add into that system and a system that needed that boost too. Uh, you mentioned Liriano's struggles, and there is some worry there. I mean, this year the numbers are, are not good. The ERA almost five and a half, and that's in the National League Central. Now he's moving to the American League East, uh, better lineups, designated hitter. But on the other hand, he's reunited with Russell Martin, and they had some real success together uh, with the Pirates when they were both there. Is there a thought at all that that Martin's presence and and his receiving skills can help out Liriano? The Jays certainly hope so, and they spent a lot of time talking about that this week. And and you look at uh, Liriano's career ERA, and his ERA with Martin is by far the lowest uh, than with any other catcher he's ever worked with. So, uh, clearly, they figured something out in, in 2013 and 2014 when the two of them worked there. Those were two of the best years of Liriano's career. Uh, so Martin saw him when he was at his best. I think the hope is that you know once Martin gets a look at him in his first start and gets a look at some video, 
this week about what was going on with Liriano that he'll have some tips as well. The only the only hesitation I have there is is the fact that Ray Searage is, is one of the best in the business in, in Pittsburgh as a pitching coach, and you know he helped uh, you know turn Jay Happ's career around. Uh, you would think that if anybody could could help Liriano, it would be him. But uh, you know the other flip side of that too is that sometimes guys just need a change of scenery. We, we've seen it time and time again uh, where they you know get put into a new spot. Um, suddenly they don't have to quite think about and reflect on the previous starts they made for that organization. Liriano in his first media availability with his new club was talking about how you know he kind of compounded his issues by he would try to make up for his last start uh, with a really good one and he would want to make make amends. Well, sometimes things can snowball uh, on you when you have that approach. and uh, So maybe, maybe a fresh start is all he needs too, but Martin certainly won't hurt. I think if anything, he, he's going to help and, and, and uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see where those two go from here. Feldman had a tough uh, first go of it on having to uh, pitch against his former team the day after pitching for them. So that was a tough start. Um, but but he's a proven guy with, with a lot of experience that hopefully will help this team as well. Uh, you have this new-look bullpen as well with Joaquin Benoit, uh, Grilly's out there, and, of course, Asuna's still there at the back end. Um, how What's the feeling about this bullpen? Obviously, if, it, if you end up having Aaron Sanchez in it as well, it's even better. But is this a bullpen that's October ready? Strictly from uh, you know a bullpen perspective, if Sanchez goes down there, I think it is. Uh, that obviously um, takes a toll on the starting rotation. Uh, but that bullpen uh, with with the Sanchez down there is starting to look pretty good. I mean, Jason Grilly has been lights out uh, ever since he came over here. I mean, his strikeout rate is ridiculous. Uh, he's really uh, proved to be a really solidifying force in, in the eighth inning. And Joaquin Benoit has been a pleasant surprise as well. Talking about guys change the scenery, uh, he's a perfect example of that. So so is Grilling. Uh, um, and uh, Benoit, he's, he's, the, the command has been an issue, but so far uh, in Toronto, he's looked pretty good. Um, you know, you could do a lot worse uh, for, for guys coming in potentially in in the sixth inning. I mean, if you're if you're looking at a bullpen that potentially goes seventh, eight, nine. Uh, with Grilly, uh, Sanchez, and then Osuna, uh, that's pretty solid. You're able to mix in Brett Cecil there as well. He still needs to get fully back on track, uh, but the hope is that he will. And then you add Benoit to that mix as well, and it's a pretty nice unit. I, I think that could be October ready, and uh, Feldman is the guy who provides a lot of insurance down there in terms of uh, adding length, and they didn't really have that prototypical long reliever, and that's why the Jays multiple times this year have run into problems with just an exhausted bullpen because they have to, whenever a starter doesn't go deep into a game, which doesn't happen very often, uh, but when it does or when they go to extra innings, they didn't have that guy who could meet it, eat up multiple innings. They had to go to multiple relievers in order to get the job done. Now they've got Feldman to, to take on that role. Now Sanchez and, and the starter reliever thing, it, it gets more and more interesting every week and kind of blown up a little bit in the last few days. It seems like you have Mark Shapiro, you have Ross Atkins, and, and you have the, the skipper in Gibbons, and maybe they're not all thinking the same thing or, or accidentally not all saying the same thing, and now it seems like maybe we have a mess. Because when they made the moves at the deadline, it seemed like, okay, here we go. Sanchez is going to make his way to the bullpen uh, before not too long. But then Gibbons comes out and says there's no plan yet. So what is the situation as we record this on, on a Thursday afternoon, Gregor? Yeah, it really has become a bit of a circus in a lot of ways. And, and, and you know, Atkins began his press conference on Monday, uh, his conference call on Monday, by, by explicitly saying that Sanchez was transitioning to the bullpen. The only question was when, not if. That was the only thing that they didn't commit to. 
and so it was a foregone conclusion at that point in time. Then you had Russell Martin come out the next day and speak out against the move. He didn't agree with it and, and made that pretty clear. Uh, and then the day after that, you had Shapiro come out uh, and once again be definitive uh, about the fact that Aaron Sanchez is not going to start all year. And then the day after that, you had John Gibbons come out and, and basically say that the, the plan had not been set. Everything was up in the air and they were still making decisions. So uh, I think a lot of this comes down to messaging. Uh, you know, Ross Atkins, as, as we sit here today, is, is on his way down to Houston. He's flying down here today. Um, and I think a lot of that is going to come down to trying to get everybody on the same page in terms of messaging. What you can have is, is people coming out you know, every single day of the week with, with a different message. Everybody has to get on the same page. I do think that Aaron Sanchez is still going to the bullpen. Uh, I know that there are some people in that clubhouse who aren't too happy about that. Uh, but they're trying to look after his long-term future. And uh, in my opinion, that decision has been made. Now they need to, to get kind of the, the PR side of things in order and make sure that everybody gets on the same page. And, and I think when Atkins eventually does talk to the media this week after arriving in Houston, we'll probably get a little bit more clarity on that. But I would be very, very surprised if Sanchez is allowed to make more than one or two more starts this season. I think the transition of the bullpen is going to happen. Uh, if it doesn't, that would be a major, major surprise. One more thing to touch on with you, Gregor. Uh, It was a big series last weekend, Blue Jays-Orioles. Blue Jays able to take two out of three and briefly took over first place before falling back a half a game. But I got the feeling that 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 vibe was coming back to the Rogers Center again that we we saw last year, the excitement level um, that this team's, you know, we're back in August and the team's back in the race again. And um, do you get that vibe that that city's going to be electric again for this team if they can hang on in this race? Absolutely. And, you know, we were talking earlier about, about, you know, Jays acting like a big market team. Well, a big reason why they've been able to do that is because of the fan support. I mean, this is, this is a big surprise to me, but the Jays are, are leading the American League in attendance. And in terms of average, they've been averaging over 40,000 fans per game this year. And, and that average is only going to go up uh, because the rest of the way you're looking at very few tickets available. Uh, it, it is already reminiscent of the run they went on last year. Last year, I think people kind of waited uh, a little bit for the moves to be made and then responded. Uh, this year, so many of the tickets were, were sold in the off season, and I think you had a lot of these games already sold uh, because people expected, uh, you know, from July on that this team was going to be in the midst of a pennant race, and, and you could definitely tell that vibe uh, against the Orioles in particular. Uh, people knew the, the consequences of that series and, and how important it was, and it's just really nice to see that back in Toronto, uh, especially now that it's being maintained over a full year as opposed to just a couple of months. Um, you know, people talked for, for you know, basically a decade and a half about how if the Blue Jays started to win that the fans would respond, uh, and they have, and they deserve full credit for that. And it's going to be one, one of the main reasons why this Blue Jays team should be able to maintain a high payroll um, into the future as well because uh, I think ownership will have to respond to, to the reaction they've gotten. And it's just really – it's kind of just really refreshing to see how big baseball is north of the border right now. And, and it's not just Toronto. It's people coming from uh, British Columbia. It's people coming from the Maritimes. It really is, it really is coast to coast. Outstanding stuff. All right, this has been MLB.com Extras, our Blue Jays edition. For Gregor Chisholm, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next week. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device.
Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.